This morning's reading of God's Word comes from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. You can find this in your Pew Bible on page 876, or in the following Jesus Bible on page 1125. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Before we go further, um, in my thanks, I wanted to thank the Lord for Frank. I didn't see you back there, Frank. It's, It's really good to see you. The children? And if all the kids, second grade and under, will come with me, or first grade and under, will come with me, we're going to take them to the children's building for children's worship. Well, it's, uh, it's really good to be here today. Um, I, I'm sure Pastor Jason has told y'all uh, that we're very good friends, and that, that, is, uh, that is very true. I know of uh, a number of people, uh, I consider a very good friend, somebody who, even if all things in your life just went the bad way, uh, that they would be somebody who you could always depend upon. And uh, that's who Jason is in my life. And I've been grateful for him and his ministry for a long time. And and when we met, we both kind of felt like pastors were weird. And uh, so to find another weird pastor that we got along with uh, was was a great thing. And so if you've never met me, um, I'm not the pastor at this church. Uh, my name is, is Josh Elder. I'm a pastor over at St. Timothy Methodist Church, and um, I'm always grateful to be able to, to preach uh, for you all. Uh, today we're going to talk about returning and giving praise to God. And uh, I don't know if you ever find this in your life uh, for me, that oftentimes I just want to move on to the next thing, whatever it is. Um, and uh, if it's finished, it's accomplished, great. Now what, what's next? And sometimes I think we also do that as the church. Uh, when it's right and a good thing to return and give praise to God for what he's done. Um, as y'all were doing your liturgy, I was uh, just moved. I'm always reminded every time, and it's funny because uh, you seem to forget, but every time I, I, I go to church on Sunday, I'm reminded of how much I need church, how much I need the, the, the re-enlivening of the Holy Spirit that happens when the people of God come together. And, um, and so I, I was reminded of that today as we're looking at this text that I think really teaches us about returning and giving praise to God. So this text from Luke 17 is about 10 lepers. 
Uh, We know that leprosy was a terrible disease, uh, particularly in this day, because it would have meant separation from people. It would have meant separation from your worship, your, the temple. And in fact, in the scripture here, it says that these ten men who had leprosy stood at a distance as they cried out to Jesus. And what they cried out to Jesus is, is something that just strikes me. Uh, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. If, if I could put the, the, the call of our part towards God and his plan for salvation into words. It would be these words. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. You know, oftentimes in, um, in the church, I'll, I'll see that there, there's people who, who seem to, to be about Jesus. They like Jesus. Um, they don't mind going to church. They don't mind considering themselves Christians. But sometimes I see that there's, there's a, a roadblock to their, their full submission. Uh, to, to throwing themselves into the deep end with God, so to speak. And, and I think I see a common roadblock. I think there's things that happen that, that cause that. But I think there's a common one in, in the human heart, and it's pride. And it's because I think when we, we come to God, we come to Jesus... We desire to bring something of value. To not just let it be about God's pity on us. Not realizing that this life with Jesus and God is all about pity. It's all about us coming to God with hat in hand. One of my my favorite movies is a, a movie called Cinderella Man and it's about this boxer who falls on hard times during the Great Depression. And he can't find any work. And so he's struggling to pay for his family, uh, for the, the electricity. He's worried his, his kids are going to be taken away. And, and so he, he goes on welfare. He doesn't want to, but he goes on it. But it's not enough money to pay for, for what he needs. And so he goes to the boxing commission where he has friends. And he literally goes with his hat in hand and begs them. I don't want to lose my children. I, I have to be able to pay for my electricity bill. This is how much. And, and he, he, he begs them to be able to provide for his, his kids. But he says this thing that, that struck me. He says, you know well enough to know if I had anywhere else to go, I wouldn't be here. I think until a person knows that they have nowhere else to go, They don't understand what it means to be a Christian. Until they realize that God is the only choice. The only hope in their life. That they need the pity from Jesus and God. We often say to be pitied is such an insult today. But I'll tell you the truth. I'll take all the pity that I can get from God. All the pity I can get from Jesus. For me, for my family, for my church, for the people of God, His body, all the pity. They say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And I love Jesus' response because it's not maybe what we would expect. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. 
A lot of times, Jesus just heals people. Miraculously, they say, have pity on me. And sometimes he goes, okay, you're healed. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Sometimes he makes even a a show of it where he put mud on the blind man's eyes, had him wash, and then he was healed. Or he put his fingers in the ear of the deaf, and then he was able to hear. But here he doesn't do that to these very pitiful creatures. These lepers. Instead, he says, go show yourselves to the priests. And I think that's that's Jesus's way of saying, do what the scripture tells you to do. Because there are two reasons that that a leper would show themselves to the priests. And they're described to us in the Old Testament in Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14. Two reasons. The first reason is Leviticus 13. You would go to the priest like you would go to a doctor. Uh, to, not to get healed, but to get diagnosed. And so if you had leprosy, you would go and see them. And, and if it was a skin disease that seemed to be lasting over and over and over again, finally the priest would say, this is a lasting skin disease. You are unclean. And to be called unclean was like a death sentence to somebody. It meant that you couldn't be close to other people. It meant you couldn't go to worship at the temple. Every Sunday you wouldn't be filled up like we are when we get to go to church. That was something that was separated by your disease. I can imagine that as as Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests, that maybe some of these lepers thought, Leviticus 13. We've already been declared unclean. What use is that going to be to go show ourselves to the priests? Sometimes we have a way of hearing a command of God in the scriptures or otherwise. And we think to ourselves, well, we know better. You know, it doesn't. The results probably wouldn't be that good. I've tried this before. Maybe I've prayed before and it seems God's not answering. Why pray again? Yet here. By them following these, this simple command. They receive healing. Most very recently, I was uh, going to go to Kenya on a, a mission trip. And I was excited about it because I knew uh, a, a local who I met in Cambodia. She was a, 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 a missionary in Cambodia from Kenya. And she wanted to show me her, her village and she wanted to show me uh, her church and all that sort of stuff. So she invited me personally. I was very excited to go. My son was going to come with us. But I started feeling a little bit on edge about going and it wasn't because I worry about traveling or anything like that because I've been to Cambodia which is as far as you can get across the world as possible but uh, there was just something inside that that said I needed to pray about it so I I started to pray asking the Lord Lord what do you want me to do and and I turned to the scripture of what I was reading for that day which is my my way of often hearing from God that's where I hear his voice and it just so happened that I was reading in Timothy where, where Paul says to Timothy, stay in Ephesus, which is where Timothy was doing ministry as a, as a young pastor. So I knew that I needed to stay in Mandeville. <laughs> I knew I didn't need to go to Kenya. And, and I could have thought to myself, you know, Lord, why? This doesn't make sense. I'd really like to go. This would be great for me. But, but I've learned to listen to his voice in a way when I hear it clearly. To do what he's told me to do. And I thank God that I did. 
because it was about a month later when I would have been in Kenya that we had a, a, a baptism Sunday at church, which I would have been absent for, where it was really a, a bringing in of the harvest and people were giving their lives to Jesus and being baptized under the, the waters. People who were, who were saying, I, I, want, I want to make Jesus my master for the first time in their lives. And I would have missed all that if I had just followed my own way. If I thought I knew better than the Lord. I suspect some of them might have thought that they knew better than the Lord would have said, why Leviticus 13? They went anyway. Why Leviticus 13? Well, there was another reason why they would go show themselves to the priest. It was Leviticus 14, very next chapter, (laughs) which day they thought it was going to be. It was going to be a Leviticus 14 day. They thought it would be a Leviticus 13 day. Leviticus 14 is when you are healed and you come to the priest to show yourself to the priest after being healed. And the priest makes a sacrifice of atonement for you to God and says these words to you that declare you clean. A life sentence, <laughs> not a death sentence. Well, now you get to rejoin the community of God. You get to go to worship every week because you've been made clean. I can imagine that, that, that those, those lepers were confused of whether or not it was going to be a 13 or a 14 day. But in listening to the simple command of God, go show yourself to the priest, they received a miracle. They were healed and cleansed. So it would have been a Leviticus 14 day because they would have been healed when they got to the priest. Leviticus 14 says, Then the priest is to sacrifice the sin offering, make atonement for the one to be cleansed from their uncleanness. And after that, the priest shall slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar together with the grain offering and make atonement for them and they will be clean. Luke seventeen fourteen of our text says, as they went, they were cleansed. Sometimes in following the simple commands of God, the miraculous will happen. Does it happen every time? Absolutely not. But following the simple commands of God, we can find this sort of healing. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, I love the reaction of one of these lepers. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. One out of ten. Not that great of a a number. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. I think there's a lot to learn through these two little verses. First, it says that one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. So often, we just move on. I think of it like a foxhole faith. You know, we we say that there are no atheists in the foxhole. That's because when, when life is on the line, you really don't have the power to save yourself. Almost anybody, even if they've been an atheist their whole life, will reach out and go, Lord, I, you know, God, I don't know if you're really there, but if you're really there, save me. And sometimes they'll make a lot of promises, right? We'll make a lot of promises when we're in the hole in the ground. And we'll say, God, if you just get me out of this, I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to change. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church. I'm going to tithe. I'll help the poor. I'll I'll do all these things if you just get me out of this. But what so often happens when God gets us out of that hole? We just move on. 
We just go, okay, thank you, God. I, I got it from here. <laughs> I appreciate that. We're so desperate in that moment. And in the moment we have relief, we don't come back. Here, this leper came back to praise God. And it says, when he saw he was healed, he came back and he praised God in a loud voice. Praise God in a loud voice. I think so often uh, we're a little bit reserved. This man would have been making himself a spectacle. Praising God in a loud voice. He had, he had made himself a spectacle for many years in his life because he was considered unclean. Here are the directions of Leviticus 13.45, Leviticus 13, where it says, Anyone with such a, a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. He would have made himself a spectacle for many, many years about his disease, all the wrong reasons. Sometimes some of us make ourselves spectacles for all the wrong reasons. People know that we're the life of the party. And they love that about us. But they don't realize that we're just crying out unclean, unclean. Proverbs 15.21 says, Folly brings joy to the one who has no sense. But whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. He would have made himself a spectacle for, for, for his disease, but now something has changed. Now he begins to praise God with a loud voice in praise and thanksgiving to God. And think about it. Think about how it would have looked. Put yourself in the position of the disciples in Jesus. What they would have heard, what they would have seen. From a distance, they would have heard, Thank you. Praise God. Clean. Maybe they would have heard a little bit of a hymn from him. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Whatever they heard, they would have heard him in a loud voice. Why does it say loud voice? I think sometimes we're so reserved. My, my, my father has a description of it. He says we're very Puritan. It's true. <laughs> Understand this. We're very Puritan. We don't like to make a spectacle of ourselves. I get done oftentimes with preaching and I'll go and I'll, I'll see somebody and they'll say, Josh, that was a, a really great sermon. I was this close, this close to saying amen. Almost did it. Really, real close. And I get that. I get that because I'm a reserved person. I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to make a spectacle out of myself for me. But let me tell you something. It is never wrong to make a spectacle out of praise and thanksgiving for God. It's over your door. I will enter his house with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. He comes praising with a loud voice. 
And it says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. I don't think it's an accident it tells us he's a Samaritan because we know that Samaritans did not get along with Jewish men. Jewish men wanted nothing to do with Samaritans. John 4.9, in fact, tells us this was part of the shock from the Samaritan woman when Jesus asked her for water. She says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. They were different religiously. They were different, different ethically, regionally. They had all sorts of differences. But none of those things in the Samaritans stopped him from coming to Jesus. And nothing in our past should ever stop us from coming to Jesus. Whoever we are, wherever we see ourselves, or if we're not good enough, or we're not, we don't play the right part, we don't sound right, we don't look right, the Samaritan didn't let any of this stop him from coming to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, he says, we're not all ten cleansed, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. That's a great question. We're not all ten cleansed? (laughs) Yes. So where are the other nine? Where are they? Where are the other nine? One out of ten came back? Where'd they go? Doesn't tell us in the scripture. Never says. But I have some suspicion. I suspect some of them had a foxhole faith. They were desperate, standing at a distance. Have mercy on me, Jesus, Master. And then when they were healed, suddenly they're like, thank God, I'm going to move on and live the life I've always wanted to live when I could have that clean skin and it doesn't have a lot to do with you, God. And they just moved on. I think maybe some of them were like that. But I think others, perhaps may have continued on to the priest. They're rule followers like me. You know, well, the rule said that they should go on. Rule followers have actually a difficulty, I think, with this scripture because Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. And this man, (laughs) when he's healed, returns to Jesus, gives thanks and prays. And some rule followers would say, well, he didn't actually do what Jesus told him to do, though. We don't know if he went after, though he's showing himself to the greatest high priest there ever was. But we'd say, no, he didn't. He didn't live according to the letter of, of what was said. And I think it's because we have a tendency to not allow even God to interrupt our rule following. I learned this the, the couple of weeks ago. There was there was two women who came up to me in, in between services. We have three services in the morning. And in between 8.30 and 9.45, they came up to me and they said, we want to be baptized. And I'll tell you all, honestly, this was the first thought process in my head was, uh, well, right now, you know, we got another service coming and I've got to preach and there are going to be a lot of people waiting for there and I really wanted to tell them to come back later. But they said, no, we want we want to be baptized right now. And so I took them over to to the baptistry and I asked them the questions of faith. And 
They answered in the affirmative and I baptized them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there was a, an older one and a younger one. Was, I think it was a grandmother and a granddaughter. And uh, the granddaughter said, man, that was really quick. And, but the grandmother was moved to tears. She was, she was weeping. And in fact, she told me the Sunday later, uh, as I was preaching this sermon, that uh, it changed her life. And I thought to myself, I would have missed that because I had a good thing to do. Sometimes we miss the best thing to do because we have a good thing to do. Here, nine of them missed the best thing to do, which is to return to Jesus and give praise. Luke 10 reminds us of this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. They had to be made. And she was distracted by all these preparations, these good things she had to do. So she came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and you're upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. The best thing is to be at the feet of Jesus, period. And here, these other nine don't realize what it means that Jesus has healed them, that the Messiah is behind them, the Savior of the world. Because you might remember when, uh, when John the Baptist was, sent his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one or should we wait for another? What does Jesus say? Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. The lepers are cleansed. These people had the Messiah in their midst and, and instead they would have just kept going on for the good rather than the best. And we know that's right because Jesus says, as no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. Nobody out of the one out of the ten. And why does he say foreigner? Well, I think he says foreigner because he's telling us that within these ten are people who weren't foreigners. They were Jewish. They understood the scriptures. They knew the promises of the Messiah. They knew what it would mean for for somebody to suddenly start healing the lame and the blind and the deaf and the leper. They'd grown up with the Scriptures, but they had gone on. Brothers and sisters, one of the greatest tragedies of the church today is how little the praise and worship of God proceeds from the mouth of His church. The people in our pews are more likely to show praise at a football game than they are at a church service. I saw it last night. It, 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 it hurts me to see a young woman bow before a good show of a defense. 
When we won't even bow in our own sanctuaries. You'll find more praise from Christians in a bar room than you will in a church service. You'll find more praise from Christians at a, at a Mardi Gras parade. We have no problem holding up our hands at a Mardi Gras parade than we will when we're worshiping and praising the greatest one. And it ought not to be that way. It ought not to be that way. Because a, a touchdown has never done one thing for my soul. Not one. I never left a bar or a party and said, thank God I went there tonight. Everything's different now. I never left a Mardi Gras parade and said, thank you so much for these beads that I now have to throw away. <laughs> but I met a man who transformed and changed my life. And he's worthy of not only thanksgiving, praise praise from our lips this man was healed of a skin disease a skin disease what were we healed of a much greater leprosy than that there was a there was a man named malcolm mugridge who was a great writer and he was a teacher uh, in India when he was young. And he goes outside to take a break for something and he sees across the river a woman undress and, and jump into the river. And he said all of a sudden it was like his, his lust just started to pound and he, he jumped into the river to swim after her. And when he came out of the water, he realized she wasn't a young, beautiful woman at all. She was an old woman who had leprosy and was decrepit. And he recoiled. And he later wrote to his father, he said it was the worst of human ugliness he'd ever seen. It was years later he realized the greatest leper in that story wasn't her. It was him. She had a skin disease. He had a leprosy of the heart that would separate him from God forever if he were not cleansed. Brothers, this, is, this, this man had a, had a disease that wasn't as far, far flung or as sure to lead to death as the disease we all have in our hearts. The leper's heart, one that has chosen to turn away from him, go our own way, do whatever we will, not what he wills. And yet, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ has cleansed us of that. He's offered his, his blood on the cross so that we might have forgiveness in him. So that the greatest leprosy known to humankind, sin and death, might be taken away from us. And if that isn't worthy of our praise in a loud voice, then what is? What is? Well, it isn't a football game, and it isn't a bar. And it isn't a party, and it isn't, isn't Mardi Gras. It's worship. Worship. For all eternity, we'll be praising him in a loud voice. That's what it tells us in Revelation. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. 
Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for You. We live for You. Brothers and sisters, let's go to God in prayer. Father Almighty, You know how often it is that we come before You with thanksgiving in our hearts, but not so much praise. And yet, Lord, You are worthy of all of our enthusiasm. You're worthy of all of our worship. You're worthy of all of our our thanking and singing our hymns. And because You have healed us of a greater leprosy than the, this one of the ten ever had, and, and He came back to return to give praise. And Jesus, You said it. Have, where are the other nine? And I wonder if You would ask that of our churches. Where are the other churches? Where are they to return and give praise to Me? Lord, we're so grateful for all that You've done for us, for for saving us from sin and death. And we know how often we are reserved and, and how often that we, we don't want to make a spectacle of ourselves, Lord. But help us to realize that although we don't want to make a spectacle of ourselves, we can make a spectacle about what You have done for us, for You are worthy of that praise. And to live out that line that, that faith Presbyterian has over the door, that we will enter Your courts with praise, your house with thanksgiving. We just praise, pray, praise you, God, for all that you've done, and we thank you for the opportunity every week to come before you and to lift up our hearts in openness to what you've done. May we all have that cry on our lips, which is, Have mercy on me, Jesus, Master, so that we have praise to give you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.